0: Shalom. Tonight we have a very special guest, somebody I'm sure you all know and somebody that I'm sure you'll look forward to hearing from for the next half hour. We're about to have a very interesting discussion. I want you to get right to introduction, where my wife and I together are going to host tonight the program, in order to be able to interview interview Curtis Sliwa from the Guardian Angels. Curtis, it's a pleasure to have you together. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Well, we always enjoy having and discussing with you, and there's, of course, plenty to talk about. I know with the Guardian Angels, they keep you busy, I'm sure you're discussing lots of things with lots of people all day long, Mm. in addition to your WABC show.
1: That uh, with Guardian Angels, it's really focused on young people, right? because uh, young people are in crisis and I'm always being asked to deal with what they call, this is the buzzword now, youth in crisis. They label them special ed, not because they have any kind of mental or physical handicap, but because they're a discipline problem. So like human fallout, nowadays, guardian angels gather them up in schools and teach special classes to build self esteem into them, character, and more importantly, the most important R they don't get in school. They get reading, writing, arithmetic in limited sense. Right. And we give them the big R, respect, that they have to show towards everyone else, and then the respect they show towards community by conducting themselves in volunteer service activities. One second.
0: But according to what you're saying, I would think that if respect isn't a problem, probably 95% of the kids are really youth in crisis.
1: Uh, in some <laughs> neighborhoods that we deal with, yes, you're absolutely right. And why should that come as a shock? in areas of the South Bronx or Brooklyn or the Lower East Side that I deal with and in Chicago, Detroit, Washington where we have guardian angel groups, 70% of the children are born out of wedlock. 70% of these kids, many of them will never know who their fathers are and the others, and this is the worst, will see their fathers in the neighborhood drinking, doping up, chasing other women, acting like totally decadent and debaucherous and can you imagine the scar that it has to put on that young boy, young girl? to first know that you really do have a father, but then see your father behaving in this manner? But our society
2: has taught us that you don't need a father in the educational structure. You need them in the beginning, but that's it. We don't need them to have any positive influence to be role models.
1: Well, there's no question. uh, uh, Men have been emasculated in many respects, but that's not giving them an excuse. They have to take responsibility, and in many communities. There are literally games that are played, and I've been privy to some of those. It's called Jewels in the Crown. Young men, many of them unemployed, Mm -hmm. shiftless, derelicts, will actually talk with one another about impregnating women and giving them children, Jewels in the Crown. Now, it was interesting, Christine Todd Whitman, who was like a Patrician, you know, she had no idea that this kind of thing existed in the inner city. Someone told her through the grapevine, and she actually mentioned it. Then she was chastised and criticised, she folded like a cheap camera, but she was absolutely right. So instead of going out there and fighting for this to say, this is wrong, this needs to be stopped, this needs to be corrected, because she was confronted by the politically correct crowd, they said, you can't say that, particularly you, a white woman of wealth, uh, of affluence, you can never comment on these things. She retreated when, in fact, there was no need to surrender. Mm -hmm. She was actually fighting for a righteous cause.
0: Now, let me ask you a question. I want to get back to the breakdown in morals and ethics that we faced over the last 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it might be. But there are many causes. Obviously, in a half hour, we can't go into those causes. The main effect, though, is the lack of responsibility, I think, that parents have taken in relationship to their children, where there's been such a total breakdown of communication of what those morals and values are and what they represent. And so many parents have just given up their responsibility and given over to either the schools, which that would be the best of it, or given it over to the movies, or given it over to the internet, or given it over to sports stars, or to movies, television of course, radio, everything. And it just absolutely amazes me how parents can just give up this responsibility, which is such a gift of being able to bring a new person into, your, into the, your life, into the world, and just give it over to other people without even thinking that there's something wrong with, with shirking that responsibility and not standing up strong when somebody does something to your child and teaches something to your child. You see your, a behavior in your child that's not acceptable.
1: But, you know, I think this all goes back to our traditional upbringing. Uh, when I was brought up, uh, the concept in family and extended family was us and we. We didn't epitomize uh, or focus on the individual success. It wasn't I and me, it was us and we. Collectively, you, you battle together against trials and tribulations. You try to overcome the problems that exist. Maybe the mother wasn't as strong in one area as the father. Maybe the father wasn't as strong as the grandfather, so the grandfather would insert himself or an uncle. But you had a balance in the whole family. In this age, where there's so much apathy and indifference, and there's so much focus on individual achievement, Mm -hmm. number one, second to none, and not the group and the importance of family. I remember when I was growing up, there were four people put on pedestals. First were your grandparents. They were saints. They walked on water. Second, naturally, were your parents. They came second to your grandparents because they didn't quite have the experience of the grandparents. The third pedestal was relegated to teachers. Teachers, absolutely. You oh, never trust a teacher. My parent would say, look, I'm an ignoramus compared to your teacher. Your teacher is going to give you gifts. It's going to unlock the treasure chests of knowledge that I don't have the key to. You had better listen to that teacher, and you had better be respectful. And then the last respect was for the average, everyday, working-class schlump, a guy who works a nine-to-five, who we used to idolize. I mean, I wanted to go in and be a sanitation man. I wanted to be a grocer who used to add the different groceries on the paper bag with a pencil because he had self-esteem, he had pride. He was a
0: contributing element to the community. He was honest, he was doing his job, he might be simple, but he knew he was doing something important.
1: Nowadays, the only people who get put on pedestals are freakazoids, trendoids, frozen vegetables, criminals, people who have a warped sense of purpose about self, and in terms of what they offer to the community. But do
0: you think parents actually realize the full effect that these things have on their kids? I, I somehow think the parents, it goes one, in one ear, not the other, and they don't want to realize that all these influences just eat away at the core well, of what a human being is, especially as a child.
1: You have to understand, most parents fancy themselves as jet-setters, as progressives. They want to be as,
2: friends with their children. Well,
1: friends, but they also want to be hip, they want to be happening. To ask them to go backwards in time to establish and epitomize the old fundamentals, that's making them old fogies, right? Out of, out of style, they're not with it, and all of a sudden they are going to be... They are actually going to be chastised by some of their peer group, and they don't want to face
0: that. But come on, Curtis, there's a way of being with it and still being able to stand up for something. It's not necessarily a contradiction. Yeah,
1: but I think you have to resurrect a lot of the standards that our grandparents and parents imposed on us. Right.
0: You'd have to be strong. You'd have to know what it means to have a backbone and be able to stand by your principles. Right.
1: They gave us a structure. There should be pictures of the grandparents in the home. There should be pictures of teachers or at least celebrated individuals who contributed to the family welfare. That pride, that sense of purpose, that sense of understanding that you're a key cog in that entire family structure is so important. I know of so many parents who really don't feel that they're an important element of society, who don't really feel their contribution is going to make a difference, whereas I always felt in growing up that what my parents did, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, was of tremendous worth, not only to us who were depending on them, but to our our whole neighborhood. They would bring in other children. They would actually be the catch nets, because there were always families that had problems, the alcoholic the wife beater, uh, the philanderer, and they would take in these children and mentor them, become surrogate parents to them, not because they were related by blood or they were of the same religion, but it was the right thing to do. You knew that this was your responsibility in that community.
2: With Guardian Angels, what do you? what is your goal? You told us before that you're doing this 22 years, you now probably see a second generation of, of kids in the street. Has there been a change? Is there an impact? Are we going upward, or do you see a downward trend?
1: No, I see some improvement, so I'm not completely negative, although I will tell you this much. Uh, the young people nowadays are much harder at an earlier age and much more prone to commit violent, criminal activity. Why do you because, think so? Well, because they are watching so many images that are impacted on by violence. Mm-hmm. They see violence. Some of them, unfortunately, see it They experience real. It. But others, they see it in this bombardment of video clips, uh, of uh, movies, of TV programs. And so, all of a sudden, it doesn't impact upon them the same way it did when I was growing up, Mm -hmm. so that they accept it as part of the norm. They don't reject it. And that's the the struggle that I have uh, in dealing with the younger person. They're getting incarcerated younger. They're dabbling in drugs younger and younger. They're becoming more mindless and more absorbed in self than they should be at the age of six, seven, or eight.
2: What do you give them? What is the goal? What, what, what's it worth it to them? If somebody could stand on a street corner and make fast money, what do you offer them? What, what, what do you entice them with? What do you, why, is it, why is it worth it to be, to be straight, to be good, moral, upright, ethical? Well,
1: you have to establish with it a reputation, a pride. And oftentimes, people can be attracted by that. So guardian angels, we want to be the role models.
0: Right.
1: We don't run from our responsibilities like… That's when like,
0: you role from the very beginning, when you first organized the angels.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that's why we wear a red braid and a T-shirt. We look like… like uh, a, standing a, standing out,
0: stand out in
2: the like crowd. …like a neon <laughs> light. And we
1: run to problems, not yeah. away from them. Yeah. But if you look at the people that we actually look to as possibly being role models, what are they telling us, our politicians? Our leaders, our sports heroes, they're telling us, don't look to me as a role model. Your child shouldn't be emulating me. So they're actually distancing themselves from their responsibility, whereas guardian angels are stepping up and saying, yeah, we want to be r- real-life role models. We want to be examples to them of the way they should walk and talk and behave mm-hmm. and act, and yet still have pride. Now, for males to have strength, but quiet strength, Not to be boisterous, or to have too much bravado, or to be out of control, in lack of control of their physical or mental faculties. How many men think that their projection as a male is based on their sexuality, instead of their intelligence, and their ability to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker? We believe that men are here to be protectors, not predators, and so we drive that into them. And for women, who increasingly have to depend more on themselves... Instead of the strong male figure, we train women how to defend themselves and, more importantly, how to accentuate themselves because when they're called upon to be the father, the chief cook, the bottle washer, the role right. model, mm-hmm. they're going to have to have skills that they weren't ever provided with when they were first growing up themselves.
0: I mm-hmm. want to take a small change in direction. We live in a society, of course, where political correctness, unfortunately, has a tremendous power. It has the influence of the press, of course, and it In my mind, it's done tremendous damage, in the name of political correctness, to change morality and ethics, where people feel very easily justified in doing things they would have never perhaps done in their own home, in their own family, in their upbringing, but because it's socially acceptable, all of a sudden it becomes morally defined as an acceptable behavior. What's your take on that? Do you see that all over the place? I mean, do you have as much of a pet peeve about political correctness as perhaps I do?
1: Well, because uh, I conduct uh, so much of my activity on talk radio, WABC, I'm confronted by political correctness oh, sure, I'm all sure. the time.
0: Now, and and be, I know you're not, uh, you don't consider yourself to be subjugated by it either. You're not afraid to be able to stand up against it. No,
1: but I understand the root cause of it. And now it's buttressed. You see, before it was just political correctness of people that I, I considered to be very naive. They may have been well-intentioned, but hopelessly naive. Now the lawyers have taken advantage of that. They smell the money. They smell a way to make a point and make a lot of moolish moolah by following up on the political correctness by suing, and then forcing the majority to have to capitulate to just a small few. So, for example, yeah,
0: you, yeah, give me an example.
1: We, we recently saw a Jewish school in the reformed community on the Upper West Side of Manhattan give in to the desires of three or four parents who happen to be gay, lesbians and uh, gay men together, who were upset that there was a normal celebration of Father's Day and Mother's right. Day. Now, what can be more American than mom, apple, pie, and the flag, than Father's Day and Mother's Day? I might add, retailers will tell you, you know, there's a lot of returns on Father's Day. But Mother's Day is the Buffalo box office <laughs> smash because everybody wants to pay tribute to their mother, their grandmothers, or their great-grandmothers. Right. And yet this school decided to fold like a cheap camera and dissolve the whole tradition of Mother's Day and Father's Day because three or four parents there, who happen to be gay and lesbian, were upset that their particular lifestyle was not being accentuated. I exactly. How dare you? How dare you? You're not the norm. You're the exception to the rule. Nobody was icing you out. You want to have uh, Daddy has two roommate cards? They could have had those. Daddy has two roommate Whole cards. But to immediately say, if it's not done our way, then it won't be done at all then you give in to that political correctness.
2: There was a school district recently that did away with their sports department because there's going to be a winner and a loser, and they didn't want to hurt the feelings of the children that would lose. So I put it in the same category, that we can't call a spade a spade, that we've made, as you said, everything becomes kosher. You're okay, I'm okay, this is okay, and we can't ruffle any feathers.
1: Oh, and I, I am a sports fanatic. I've played all kinds of sports, and I probably lost most times in my I'm life. Sorry
2: to hear that. Uh, but it didn't traumatize <laughs> right. me.
1: I still look fondly back to my youth when I would lose a game fourteen nothing. Some guy hit you know, some team hit seven home runs off of me, but I still look back fond. It's part of life. Exactly. In fact, my grandparents used to extol the virtue of failure. You don't see that nowadays. In this new generation, if they fail, they run to Oprah Winfrey, they cry on the couch, they blame mother, father, society, (laughs) education, they blame everything but themselves. My grandparents, who survived in the Depression like so many others, told me of all the times they were thrown out of boarding rooms, had to roam the streets, didn't have jobs, basically had to take like a piece of bread in the morning and a little pasta basula at night, and they actually, they tell these stories with a great deal of pride in how they overcame tremendous odds they turn failure into a positive moral for others to follow. And I was empowered by that because I then learned for every one success there are nine failures. And I've certainly been an example of that. And most people, if they're honest, will acknowledge they've failed at most things that they've tried to do. But you just get back up and you keep trying as long as you're, you're doing it with the right, you know, the right conscience the right moral standard, because you want to improve a situation instead of take advantage of somebody else's weakness.
2: This idea of conflict resolution that we have to teach in schools now, when you fail, when you're upset, when you're angry, we have to teach people now, it boggles the mind, we don't take out a gun and shoot somebody, but we have to use our words to resolve a situation. Where have we gone that the children haven't well, learned those skills at home? give an example at home.
1: of political correctness run amok, is that if you're the bad boy, you've been caught carrying a gun in a school. You then get what they call a superintendent's suspension, 10 days. You sit at home, you eat popcorn, and you you watch Jerry Springer and Ricky Lake. Like, that's going to do a lot for you. Then you get transferred to a better school. It's not a reform school or a school for incorrigibles. You get transferred to a better school, and then they don't tell the parents... Who, tra- which miscreant is being transferred there they don't tell the teachers the deans only the principal knows and he or she are sworn to secrecy Come they on. cannot See acknowledge me. I am this is this is the rules and regulations of the board of Education Unbelievable. and they cause so much odd to the parents who are saying wait a second. Our children are trying to learn. You're going to take a troublemaker and put him in this class. And you know what they say? Oh, the troublemaker, he'll have low self-esteem. We don't want him to be traumatized. Him, he needs to be separated and put into a school that can use their abilities to try to inculcate him with the discipline that maybe he didn't get at home.
0: Curtis, what do you think of the, in terms of Hollywood, the influence that Hollywood's having on the kids, in terms of what Joe Lieberman's been trying to do or other senators have been trying to do? And how much is this an issue that parents should themselves work on in order to try to get across to, to Hollywood that they're concerned about what's happening to their children because of Hollywood's influence?
1: I had a great deal of hope uh, when Senator Joe Lieberman became a moral crusader with uh, Bill Bennett and a number of other high-profile Americans who said, hey, we have got to put controls on Hollywood, because these loony kazunis out there, who are not a reflection of mainstream America, are creating visual images that are challenging our children away from traditional oh, sure. f- fundamental belief systems.
0: And they're establishing the political correctness.
1: Yeah, they're titillating them. It's almost like they're Pied Pipers in the video messages and musical messages that they send out to the mass majority of children. Now, these are the airwaves, the public airwaves. I work for Disney Corporation. They don't pay not one penny for the ability to transmit over the airwaves on WABC their dogma, their mantra, and such. So, if you are using the people's airwaves, you have a special responsibility to protect values, to not harm people culturally.
0: But they'll say they're not... Oh, oh, they'll
1: come up that every year very and they'll say, oh, we'll try, we'll, we'll self-police. Well, their self-policing has been as good as the Palestinian police, right, policing Hamas and Hezbollah. It's mm-hmm. just not working. So in reality, we have to impose restrictions on them, not to restrict free speech. But there needs
0: to be a balance. See, I think part of the problem is we live, of course, in a country that's driven by principles of number one, democracy, and number two, capitalism. So democracy, I think, is unbelievable. It's incredible what the American experiment has accomplished. Capitalism, though, what's the bottom line? It seems that what's going on in our society more and more and more, and we've seen it very clearly over the last 10, 20 years, is how do you turn every single citizen of this country into a consumer? Whatever it takes to turn them into consumers consumer, that's the bottom line. And, of course, then you go down to the basic the basic instincts which will cause something to sell, or the violence, or the sex, or the appearance of all types of other images that are going to motivate people. And this it's a whole science, as you're, of course, very well aware in advertising and so yeah, on. Yeah, but there's so a
1: certain decadence here that's well, being exploited. Well, of course.
0: No, that's what I'm saying, that because of that, the decadence is okay as long as it produces the but product of being able to sell products.
1: Good will sell also. But you see, if you have a community of creative types, some of whom are really out of tune with society, have come from uh, broken homes, are self-haters of themselves. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to watch uh, VH1 or the E Channel, and they talk about stars. All of them seem to have drug problems, alcohol problems, broken families, down in the gutter, you know, like Downey Jr., down and out. And they consider this great this is like method acting now i'm being able to identify with a derelict (laughs) a a dope fiend a drug addict these people are absolutely nuts and out of their mind and these are the the so-called these
0: are the people who are the examples that they're putting putting up for
1: us so i'm saying wait a second some standards of decency need to be imposed by the average every ordinary person who feels that these images are reflecting poorly on what they're trying to teach their children And I'm not saying impede free speech, but there's a time and a place for everything. I knew when I was growing up, if you wanted to buy a pornographic magazine, a man would have to go out of sight, out of mind, and come out with a brown paper bag. Now, I'm not advocating that people buy pornography, but if they have an insatiable desire for this smut, and it is a First Amendment right of theirs, well, then there should be a place that they can go, but it should not impede upon everyone else in society as it is now because it's literally thrown in our faces morning, noon, and night. It's
0: thrown in our faces, and it's made acceptable. I think that's the hardest part about it. In fact, so much so that I personally, I think that if three Hollywood tycoons would get together someday around coffee, and they're sitting in a diner, and they're saying, listen, let's say if we want to make incest kosher, Okay? They just yeah. want to make it acceptable. So you make a movie and have this star, and I'll make a movie and have this star, and I'll put you know, $100 million into a making a movie with this star, and the three themes will, let's say, somehow get back to this within six months after that. Believe me. And well, would be politically I, I would correct tell in America. I have no doubt about that it. But if
1: not for the laws of the land, Roman Polanski would be here in America making movies as a pedophile and would be receiving Academy Award nominations by the Hollywood elite. I,
0: I agree. And they'd it be extolling
1: it's, it's his decadent uh, his decadent uh, personality and his beliefs. They would say that's part of his creative process. He, he, he's getting in touch with his inner child. <laughs> he's a nut. He's <laughs> taking advantage of children. That's what he's doing everywhere. An average person can figure that out.
0: Right. It's absolutely incredible how morals have changed in such a short period of time. Well, the, and it's scary. The morality is there.
1: But you see, if you're being made to feel that you're out of touch, that you're out of sync, that you're a funny duddy, as I mentioned, then the peer pressure, the prevailing peer pressure is against those. So you have to really stand up and shout and be an example. So whether you're a member of the Orthodox community or the Hasidic community or any group that clearly defines itself as exemplifying family values, you have to do it with a lot of pride, not confrontationally, mm-hmm. but a lot of pride to be able to answer questions and undergo scrutiny, cross-examination. And that's what a lot of people are afraid of. They don't want to defend their belief system to outsiders. You know, they'll do it within their inner circle. Because you think they're embarrassed. Right. I think you have to go out there and you have to confront the enemy. You have to show others who are on the borderline that you are so strong in your belief system, that you would die for your beliefs, because they won't. They'll run like cowards. You know, remember, they're into I and me. You have to show them we believe in us and we. I believe so much in you as a human being, I would die for you. That's the strength of the guardian angels. That's how we're able to get a lot of converts for what we call the hard rocks, the incorrigibles. And they say, wow, these people have a strong value system. They would die for me. They don't even know me. And in fact, they may not even like me because of what I represent and stand for. So it's that kind of uh, religious uh, messianic fervor that you have to have, not just trying to convert people to your religious beliefs but more importantly to your strong set of moral standards that guide your life on a day-to-day basis.
2: I don't think a lot of people have their own value system because their system is bankrupt. I don't think a lot of people are into their own religion, so to speak. They are afraid of that and they want to be open taking eating from every table, so to speak. People don't have standards nowadays. I mean, I think We have standards, the the Torah is replete, Judaism is replete with standards, and just the word kosher means fit for use. So I can say to my kids, that's not a kosher way to talk. I'm not talking about food. They understand immediately that's not acceptable, or that's not a kosher way to to, to behave. They understand that there's something inherently inappropriate with with that behavior or that Method.
0: And the values are more important than instincts or desires or needs or what's politically correct. And that's something which comes down to a point, are values absolute or are they relative? And well, as long as they're going to be relative, they, then, listen, if your, your values are relative, kids can say it to their parents, then I can establish different types of relative values on the basis right. of how I'd establish my own personal values. But
1: we have the medium that can affect the way people think, television, radio, videos, it's there. Except people of good values, of good beliefs, are limited in terms of the avenues they have to get to the masses. That's why I said balance. It's like a balanced meal. If you eat one food that's going to cause you problems, it raises your cholesterol, could cause a heart attack. So you have a balanced meal. There needs to be balanced images out there so that you can inoculate a lot of young people from the barrage of negative images that are going to be subjected to their entire mm-hmm.
0: life. Exactly. You know, sometimes people ask us, as the Babashah Hasidim living out here on Long Island, oh, your children are all isolated. I said, no, they're not isolated, they're very involved in the world, they're knowledgeable about what's going on, but they are insulated. And I think that's an important difference for people to understand that we all as parents, I think, have a responsibility to a certain degree to insulate ourselves and insulate our children not isolate, to be educated and to be knowledgeable about everything that's going on, but to know that there are weeds out there and there's negative things going on. There's a lot of evil out there. And there's a necessity to have to be able to take upon ourselves the responsibility to identify something that's wrong for what it is and know that we need to make a separation between ourselves and our children and that negativity.
1: But so strong are the negative images that even in the Lubavitch, the uh, Hasidic and Orthodox community, there are some young people who are being oh, pushed sure, away. Oh, sure, that are being pulled away. There, there are organizations are now that now exist. That's right. To try to recover them before they go too far. Because the influences
0: are very strong.
1: You would never have had that years ago. Definitely. You would never have had that problem. But part of what is afflicting regular society is affecting, as I mentioned to you on uh, a previous occasion, Japan. We have guardian angels in Japan. Who would have ever felt there would be a need in that country, which extols the virtues of parents, grandparents, you know? tradition. Right. And now they're having a problem, the breakup of the nuclear family, juvenile delinquency, disrespect the teachers, graffiti. Graffiti in Japan. I mean, that would have been unheard of. So it's spreading like a malaise. And when good men and good women do nothing, evil will triumph. That's
0: right. That's right. Well, I want to thank you very much, Curtis, for being with us and thank you for co hosting the show tonight. Any time. All right. And just to close up, we want to just to wrap up from what Curtis has mentioned tonight, the importance of of course making sure that we stand strong for who we are, because that's really what it comes down to. You're important, you have a purpose, and you're a gift to this world. And of course, the longer you're going to stand up straight for who you are and what you believe in and not be influenced by every Tom Dick and Harry that comes along and wants to sell you something or wants to produce something or wants to give some type of image over the radio or in a magazine, you have to realize and think and stop, who do I want to be and what do I want to represent and especially what I want to be to my children. And that's really what it comes down to. So let's hope that we all can develop from within that inner strength that it takes to be able to do that because in our society today, against all the influences of political awareness and everything else, it's not easy. Take care. Shalom. We'll see you next week. All the best. Hasagi, you low, in a hindey Hasagi, you low, in a hindey Hasagi, you low, in a hindey you low, in a a me,
1: she am